What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to Experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. Hey everybody, welcome to You Have to Watch This Podcast. I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And if you're new to the show, every week we have one of us watch a movie that we've never seen before for the very first time. Uh, This week, that someone is Ryan, who has not seen what was one of what made the top our top five list for last year for both Devin and I, the uh, (laughs) Lin-Manuel Miranda film Tick, Tick, Boom, starring Andrew Garfield um, on Netflix. But before we get into that, we've got some things to talk about. First of all, if you don't know, if you're new to the show, don't know us at all. Ryan and I are pretty big Star Trek guys, and we're trying to get Devin on board. Devin, you watched the first season of Picard, right? I did. I okay. really did. Well, the second season just is about to premiere uh, in just over a month and a half, uh, and they just dropped a new trailer for it. And I wanted to talk a little bit about that before we get into things. Because um, this came up before the show. I was like, oh, yeah, we should talk about that trailer. What would you guys think of the Picard season two trailer? Is that – okay. Is that Q? Are they bringing Q yes. back for this? Q, Q is coming okay. back. Okay, good. That was my big thing. I like Q. The few episodes of Star Trek I've seen have had Q in it. I think he's neat. I don't know that the trailer did anything to change my mind about my initial reaction to season one. I think season one should have been it. I think it was a wonderful send-off for a wonderful character. In the end, he they could have ended it, and then they artificially extended it in more ways than one. And I don't think that they should have taken that choice. I think that it would have been a great end and a fitting one for that character. I don't necessarily see how this, it looks fun. I don't see how it looks necessary. Okay. I, I, but I, I'm not coming at it with any kind of history. Like, yeah, it looks like they are messing with some things that are established about some of these characters. Um, it, you know, I, my guess is that when Whoopi Goldberg in it is like, there's one final frontier you haven't, I don't know why it's my voice for her, you haven't explored. Uh, my guess is it's yourself, Picard, and like that's the final frontier, and it's like super meta on him. Am I wrong? Well, I, I mean, that's, that's Guinan in a nutshell. Like, whenever she was ever in the original show, she was always someone that, like, people would go, like, you had a counselor on board, like, you had Troy, you had the ship's counselor, but mm-hmm that's where like all the lower deck people went to get their counseling all of all of you know troy's friends who needed counseling went to gaiden for help mm-hmm. even troy went to gaiden for help for crying out loud because she's like 700 years old yeah. but um oh she, she, she's not human she's from like a race of like humanoid people that like live a long time um, i'm really excited about this because one seven of nine i love her character and mm-hmm. i want you know you know like how she adjusted to life after um um is after voyager and yes the first season of of you know picard kind of dealt in her becoming like like a like a like a like intergalactic ranger or whatever Mm -hmm. i want to see more of like how she dealt with like 
becoming human again from being a Borg for so long. And I wanted, and what I got was cool, but it wasn't enough for me to actually like feel they really did service to her character. Yeah. They brought in a bunch of new people that I found very interesting. And even though, yes, it would have been just a cool send off to like carry on Picard with, without him or like mm-hmm. start a new show with these group of people and show what they're doing. And I know that there's other people who have been lifelong Trekkies that feel the same way, Devin. Okay. There are. Like, you're not, you know, like, your opinion is not just because you've not really seen any of it. It's because, sure. you know, it, 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 there are other lifelong Trekkies that feel the same. I, as long as, as long as he wants to continue the character, let him. As far yeah. as I'm concerned, he owns the character of Picard. And if mm-hmm. they're... And if Paramount wants to throw money at him and say, "Here, play it until you die," let him play <laughs> until he dies. I mean, uh, to be fair, my problem isn't that Sir Patrick Stewart's getting work. I would see him in anything. If the only thing he was ever in was Emoji Movie One, Two, Three, Four, and Five, I would watch it for him. As the poop emoji. Let's not forget as, Patrick as Stewart. The poop played, emoji. Sir yeah. Patrick Stewart played the poop emoji in the Emoji Movie. Yes, Never forget. Never forget. Ugh. Um, yeah, I'm excited for it. Uh, cause there's some additions to the cast that I knew were coming, like Whoopi Goldberg coming back as Guinan. I wasn't expecting Sprint, Brent, Brent Spiner to be back in some capacity. Like he is in this, uh, which I'm excited for. I like him. I'm excited to see how they bring, uh, whatever iteration of his character. Like, I don't think he's going to be data cause he looks old and stuff. Um, and I think they've officially retired data as a live action character. If he shows up on like lower decks, I won't be surprised. Um, (laughs) But, and then uh, the board queen's coming back. And I know that actress from 24, she showed up in the last two seasons as Jack Bauer's partner in in crime or counterterrorism. I forget what happened in the last two seasons of 24. It's all, it's all a blur. It was a fever Um, dream, but the board queen's back. So, and there's like a time travel aspect to this season. Uh, there's a lot to be excited for, not to mention, uh, Mark Bernardin, who I'm a big fan of his writing, uh, mm. and does the fat man beyond podcast with Kevin Smith. He wrote on this season. So I'm excited oh, to see what cool. he, what he contributed to this and hear like from his standpoint, what, what, cause he was a, he started off like as an intern for deep space nine. So like he got to be in those writers rooms and, uh, mm-hmm. like, um, I'm curious to see, like, it's nice to see, like, a lifelong Star Trek fan get work on Star Trek. So. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah and, and and the board cream coming back is something that, like, if it wasn't for Gaiden coming back, you got Seven and Nine, you know, all of those original characters. The fact that the Borg queen is coming back in this and knowing Picard's history with the Borg, like, this is perfect. And then you have Seven and Nine in there, which she has yeah. her own history, too. Yeah. So. Uh, I think Whoopi Goldberg's, like, on her uh, Harrison Ford tour of the greatest hits because <laughs> like he went back to Daniel Jones, Han Solo and Blade Runner. Uh, and now you got Whoopi Goldberg back as Guinan. Uh, she's doing sister act three. Um, I didn't know that. I can't wait for Theodorus Rex two. Uh, <laughs> I have the but, DVD of that. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that that's our thoughts on the Picard season two trailer. Um, uh, usually this is where I ask you guys if you watched anything, but I'm commandeering this, this, this question t- today because yesterday was my birthday. 
Good. So I'm going to go first. So I watched. Also, happy birthday, Alan. I want. So what? Thank, thank you. Uh, that's what I was going for. Um, <laughs> so yesterday, uh, my wife was working on some stuff for work in the evening, and I sat down in front of our TV. I was like, "Okay, what I do now is just for the beginning of the podcast tomorrow." I'm sorry that I'm making you watch this in case it sucks. I watched the first episode of How I Met Your Father yesterday. Oh, no. How was that? It wasn't as bad as I expected it to be. But I so I'll give the, this caveat. I only watched the very first episode. There are mm-hmm. three episodes available now. The show premiered with two episodes. I only watched the first. Uh, so a lot. Of, I'm going to give it a bit of slack because it's a pilot episode and you have to do those awkward introductions of all the characters and establish their, like the, the, their baseline personalities and storylines. That being said, I didn't hate it. And I don't know how much of that is just because of my, um, how should I put this? uh, Keenness towards Hillary Duff. (laughs) Um, But I, I think there's, it's a lot better than the last season of How I Met Your Mother. So the only thing I know about this is that it does something or has some kind of hook that's different than How I Met Your Mother. Uh, did you watch enough of it to know what that hook is? Or is it exactly the same where she's talking to two kids on a couch? It's a bit different. Mm-hmm. So it's a video call in the year 2050. The The, the future mother is played by Kim Cattrall. Oh, uh, I think they did the video call so you don't see the kids, so you don't have that awkward thing where the kids age out of being able to be on, <laughs> right. on the couch. Um, the thing that this show does differently and establishes it in the first episode is at the end, like you tell this whole story of this one night, and at the end of that, the the mother says, "And that was the night I met your father." And then it shows you like who the like it, it narrows it down from the beginning of who it could be. Oh um, wow! And then, uh, and then like the son on the video call is like, "But how'd you fall in love?" She's like, "Oh, that's a whole nother story. Let me go get some more wine, and I'll tell you that." So that like the whole <laughs> thing is like her telling the story about how they fell in love. So it's not like years of build up to how I met your father. It's years of build up mm-hmm. like this is the whole story of our relationship and how we got to where we ended up. Which I think is a little bit smarter than, mm-hmm. uh, like, is it is it Robin? Is it anyone else? Is it the slutty pumpkin? Like, <laughs> um, but the one cool thing that this show does to tie into How I Met Your Mother is the some of the the characters live in Lillian Marshall's apartment. Like they, oh, they, that's they fun. they're like, yeah, we found this apartment on a Wesleyan alumni group and got it from an old married couple. So they like moved out of the city into the suburbs and sold the apartment. That's fun. And the swords are still there. So it is a little <laughs> bit of nice nostalgia for that. And I'm sure at some point um, there'll be cameos from people from how I met your mother on the show. Like it, if Jason Siegel doesn't show up at some point as like a judge, like I'll be very disappointed, but it's built yeah. to, it's in the same universe. So I'm excited to see how they connect it and I'll, I'll probably keep watching it. So, I mean, it's an interesting way to do it. It sounds like they're going for okay. So, do they narrow it down to one father, and like that's the guy, or is it like three? There, there's about three or four people that it could be. So we have a Mamma Mia situation going on. Yeah, got it. Here we go again. Mm. Yeah, I hate it. <laughs> I'd watch you hate it. it, Ryan. 
No, I would watch it. Watch what? Mamma Mia or this? Both. First one and the other, actually. Well, I've seen Mamma Mia. Okay. So that's taken care of. Uh, <laughs> How I Met Your Father, I don't know because I didn't watch the other one. Okay. Ooh. Hold on, hold on, Don't, Alan. Ooh. You can well, pick episodes for yeah. That's what I was thinking. Like, I, I, yeah. ne- I never thought about that one. Uh, Here, just just to give you a heads up on TV shows, like sitcom mm-hmm. TV shows from like the past twelve to twenty years. I probably haven't seen it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Is it worth recommending, Alan? Because I know people that won't because of how be, just because of the last season. Um, a I bit think, like Game of Thrones. Uh, <laughs> is How I Met Your Mother worth recommending? Yeah, uh, I would say the first few seasons are like. There's a lot of strong stuff there. Uh, I don't know how well Barney Stinson ages nowadays. Yeah, that was the thing that I was thinking. Um, but I also like the idea that the story is told from an unreliable narrator, so you don't know how much of that's actually true. Right. Because you don't know, like, w- w- how much Ted is telling is actually true. And, like, I, I love, like, the th- some of the fan theories that have come out about how I met your mother. Like, oh, it was actually Ted who did all that stuff Barney did, and he just wanted to make Barney look bad. <laughs> um, but I will say the one, one other way. That I, I, I would say give it a shot if you haven't seen yep. it. Because um, it's definitely of its time. But the one thing that did connect connect back to how I met your mother with this one on Hulu is at the end, they had a tribute to Bob Saget who was oh. the voice of the father uh, in the future and how I met your, fa- how I met your mother. So, Love that. but yeah. Um, so that's what I watched uh, nice. specifically for this show. So you are welcome. Okay. Uh, Devin, what did you watch? watch I did watch game? something. Yeah, I did. Uh, good is a strong word. All right. So I watched, the first three episodes of Afterlife with Ricky Gervais. On paper, this should be my show, right? This is a comedy that has a lot of emotional depth. It's exploring depression. It's exploring, like, really, like, tough mental illness issues. I, I don't know. I had a Ryan moment where when you were watching MacGruber, Ryan, you had mentioned mm-hmm. that this happened to you. I sat there and I go, those are jokes. He just told a joke. I didn't laugh. I didn't react. Not even a wiggle. I'm like, that is a joke. And I don't know that I'm going to keep watching it. And I think I'm I'm coming to the point where I don't know how I feel about Ricky Gervais and his comedy. Like, it's to the point where I'm wondering if I've ever liked his comedy. Uh, so I, I need to do some soul searching and retry it. But that's where I landed on with that. Have you guys seen the show? I hadn't even heard of it until I've now. I've heard of it. I haven't. Mm-hmm. Um... I haven't seen it. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I haven't watched much on Netflix. Uh, yeah. So. Um, yeah. I mean, the whole premise of the show is guy's wife dies just before the episode, the season starts. Uh, she leaves him like a video with instructions on how to pick up and live his life. And he just doesn't. He's, you know, he he's thinking about ending it himself. He's very depressed. And it's him interacting with other people. That premise doesn't sound like it should be funny, but it sounds like it's rife for like a dark comedy, which I love. And I don't know. It's a tough one. It was a tough one. Maybe it picks up later. I don't know. But I, I'm having a hard time connecting with it, I think. Okay. Yeah. That's it. I mean, it's just, yeah, it, it was, 
it was something that I thought was going to be a home run for me, and it was a swing and a miss. It, it yeah. happens. Yeah, it, yeah. it does. Uh, like Ryan and McGruber. Uh, <laughs> Will, Will Forte hosted SNL over the weekend uh, and did a McGruber sketch. That I saw it. Inve- involved COVID, and it was uh, it was okay. My favorite joke that he made, though, <laughs> was during during the monologue, and I thought of you, Ryan. He was like, I would be, I, I'm, I, I'd be happy to announce that McGruber just got a season two on Peacock and the crowd goes, goes wild. And he's like, I would be happy, but it hasn't happened yet. Uh, <laughs> so, um, Ryan, how about you? What have you, what have you watched? Well, first off, I hope it stays that way, but I watched watched a movie called Come True, which my wife and I are completely opposites on our opinion on it, which has really never happened um, that often. So as you can tell by the the poster, it's a thriller slash um, horror, uh, depending on how you want to like gauge it. To sum it up, it is a movie about a girl who is having sleeping issues. She is, um, she uh she uh she enrolls herself into a sleep study where things go horribly wrong um they took the premise of the idea uh uh they took the whole thing of people who like wake up and they're paralyzed and they see like their dreams in real life yeah. the the whole i forget what it's called right now sleep paralysis yeah, the sleep paralysis they take that idea and they run with it in um in it and i found it fascinating the ending you do not see coming comes right out of left field i like it my wife was like i give this a five and i was like i'd give this a nine wow so um there's like one or two scenes that are gory everything else that's more suspense horror uh is this something you're gonna have us watch on the podcast i don't know yet I need to watch it again um, because there were things. The reason why my wife didn't like it was because of how it ended and like the things they did in the movie and how like out of left field it is. But I think that there was enough in the movie to kind of make you question like, okay, is this the actual route they're going with this? Or is there something Mm -hmm. else going on here? So, and plus it's a Canadian film. um, So it doesn't have the big budget that a lot of, you know, like American movies have, Mm -hmm. but they, they did a good job with it, and I was really blown away by the lead actress on it too. So, you sent us the poster earlier, and I, I'm going to be honest. I thought it was a meme that I didn't get because the poster, <laughs> at least the one that I saw, was like her with what looks like a speaker held to her eye it's with a like bungee cords. I understand. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I saw other pictures and get that, but like, I was just like, like, I don't think I understand internet enough to get this meme. I'm sorry, Ryan, and like well, just scrolled past yeah, it. Yeah. Oh, that. Um... The one thing I will say about the poster and where it comes from is that during the sleep study, um, they're doing things and there are images coming up on stuff. And But the images aren't sharp. The images look like that, look like her in the poster. So it's kind of like grainy a little bit. And the fact that her eye is glowing has to do with the whole sleep paralysis thing. Okay. Okay. Okay, but I I need to watch it a few more times to to know if I want to do it for this. But well, if you I, do, I'm excited. I really for you. enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. My wife, on the other hand, couldn't care less about it at this point. <laughs> I like divisive movies. Those sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I've got so I've got a bit of a surprise for you guys. Um, 
So I don't know if you know this or not. Uh, Sundance Film Festival is going on right now, and this year it's virtual. Uh, so oh. if you wanted to, you could go online and purchase tickets to a film if you wanted to see it. So uh, that's what I did last night for my birthday. No way. I did. I watched the premiere of the Avi Plaza film, Emily the Criminal, last <gasps> night for my birthday. Uh, and I was going to send you guys a trailer for this, but there is no trailer out. Uh, it is just uh, the Sundance uh, interviews and the movie being on Sundance uh, premiere. Um, but this movie is Avi Plaza in a different light. Uh, she plays a woman who is weighed down by student debts and can't get a job because of her criminal record. She can't get a good job because of her criminal criminal record. So she um, ends up doing illegal things for cash uh, mm-hmm. things that don't get people hurt, just like shoplifting and little things like that. And it just keeps escalating and escalating. It's sure. very, it's a very well done crime thriller. And I, if, if you just know Aubrey Plaza from comedies and parks and recreation, I think this shows her in a completely different light. And I'm really interested to see what else she does after this. Have I had you guys watch Ingrid Goes West yet? No, you have not. Okay, it's on the list now because this is this sounds a bit like that, and I loved that movie. I, so, like, I want to watch this so bad now. I have seen half of that movie. My wife could mm-hmm. not get into it, so we gave up on it. Sure. I, I've always wanted to go back and finish that um, mm-hmm. because I've heard good things about it. Um but yeah, I highly recommend this. I don't know when it's going to be out. Um, it, it was very good, and I'm very happy that I was able to watch it. I didn't realize how simple it was to watch the Sundance stuff from home. So part of me is tempted uh, to just, uh, if they do this again, just mm-hmm. to get a, a day pass and just watch everything for that, that day really that nice. I can, because, uh, it, it was super easy. There's an app on my Apple TV. I just had to download and sign into with the account. I bought my ticket with, um, it, it was really cool. And I, it was a well-spent b- birthday activity. So Ryan, would you watch this movie? Yeah, sure. I mean, there's no advertising out for it. It's just part like the the image I have up on the screen is the only image I can find for this movie because they have not even released a a poster for it. Because uh, with film festivals like Sundance, films go there to get distribution. So that's the the distributor is usually who does all of the marketing materials. So there's nothing out there for this. Yeah, um, you could have told me that the the poster you put up was a screenshot from the new Matrix movie, and I would have believed you. <laughs> so hold on, Sundance is all virtual this year. Yes. So the few Facebook friends, or few the the Facebook friend I saw that was like loving my time at Sundance. Was I lying. mean, I don't know if there is. Uh, there might be an in person aspect to it, depending on who Got my it. friend is. I, I know that a friend of the show, Josh from Victims and Villains, is doing a lot of Sundance stuff and doing it from his house in Virginia. 
uh, Got he's it. been okay. doing a lot of coverage. So if you want to hear more about Sundance stuff, go check out Victims and Villains uh, on Facebook and Instagram uh, for more. Uh, and you can visit victimsandvillains.net. Cause they, he's been doing, like, I, I haven't read his stuff yet, but he, I know he's been doing a lot of Sundance coverage. So, oh, that's cool. Uh, but yeah. That sounds fun. I want to watch it. I didn't know it existed. Now I want it. You, you might be able to, there might be a ne- another screening tomorrow. The, the way that the way the second screenings work is they have the premiere screening where you can watch it for like a period of six hours that day. And then yeah. they do a second screening where you have the whole whole day to watch it whenever you, you want. Shoot. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm going to look into that after the podcast. Great. I'm actually going to cool. look into it now. So, <laughs> or, uh, uh, yeah. Let me sign in. Oh, wait. I'm not. I didn't do it in criminal oh do you have to sign in like is it like a whole like thing uh yeah was there any other like movie that looked good to you at all uh that was the first one that caught my eye because i saw her post something about it and um like on instagram so i was like oh what's this and I was like, oh, she has a new movie coming out. And I was like, oh, when does this come out? And it said my birthday. I was like, wait, that's weird. How does that work? It's a Monday. Um, I heard about uh, them making it virtual. And it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they keep doing it that way, that Sundance actually keeps doing it virtual plus plus in person in the going forward because they can make a lot more money. Yeah, yeah, but oh, the, absolutely. Okay. The, the, the other because thing not is, not everybody can get out there. I mean, the other thing is like keeping it small and in person is a little bit more intimate, and uh, I would say better for the for the film festival itself. Uh, I don't, I don't think they would be virtual if they could help it. Uh, but the world we live in right now, uh, it almost has to be. Emily the yeah. Criminal is second screening tomorrow, so, but it is sold out. Oh, darn. That's okay. I'll get it. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it'll have a wider release and I'll watch it then. Oh, it will. Yeah. Um, but now you know. Then you just that, be all hipster about it and she'll be like, well, I watched it before. It was cool. I, I saw it before they did the post credit scene with Thanos. Uh, <laughs> Ew. Uh, yeah. So that that's how I spent my birthday. Devin, you cannot do the same. I am sorry. Um, darn. But speaking of birthdays, uh, there's a reason we picked today's film. Uh, yesterday was my birthday. Tomorrow is Devin's birthday. So we are talking about one of our favorite films from the year 2021. And that is Lin-Manuel Miranda's Tick, Tick, Boom, starring Andrew Garfield as rent creator Jonathan Larson. Uh, this is a Netflix film that is available to stream right now on Netflix if, if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, Devin and I are about to... Uh, talk highly of this film for the next uh, 30 minutes or so. So um, let me pull up. I'm trying to figure I out. Mean, I can I be critical. critical. I'll, I'll put my, my critical, critical hat on because I've seen it enough times that I can't be now. So let's start off with that. How many times have you seen it? Three. Three. Okay. Three how times. Many ti- how many how times we... have you listened to the soundtrack? Three million. Okay. I have listened to it about the, I've listened to the soundtrack about the same. 
uh-huh. as you. I've seen the movie twice. I saw it <clears throat> when I first watched it, and I rewatched it for the podcast. Okay. Uh, so part of the reason we're talking about this movie is it deals a bit with a, bir- a major birthday. Uh, on the cusp of his 30th birthday, a promising young theater composer navigates love, friendship, and the pressures of life as a as an artist in New York City. Um, as I said, this film stars Andrew Garfield, Alexandra Shipp, Robin De Jesus, and um, Vanessa Hudgens from High School Musical. So yeah, yeah, ignore that part of her. Um, so we talked about this film a bit before, back when we did our musical triple feature and talked about the film version of Rent uh, in preparation for this film coming out. Uh, so Jonathan Larson was the creator of Rent, the musical. He wrote the music, wrote the, the screenplay, and passed away before Rent came out. This tells a story before Rent was even a thing in his life. Mm-hmm. Um, I absolutely love this film. I love the uh, the style of music in every song. It's all upbeat and emotional, and I, I, I can really get into it. Uh, I think Andrew Garfield's performance in this is phenomenal. Uh, really elevated him as an actor for me um, to the point where when he like spoilers for Spider-Man, but when he showed up in Spider-Man, it just elevated that performance even more for me. Um, and there's a lot here that I, from what I can tell that they, they, since this is based on a one man show and then a three person show, like they really took some liberties with how they told this story. And I think they did a really good job of integrating the, the origin of the show with the film version of it. Um, and I absolutely love this film. Devin, what do you think? Oh, I mean, I love it too. Um, I think that in some ways to put my weird critic hat on for a second, I think in some ways it does have some of the same problems that rent has, but I think that it does enough with what it is and what it, I don't know, we'll, we'll talk about it in specifics, but I think it does it a little bit better than what rent does. I think that, that the characters are more in-depth. I think that his life is more relatable. And it reminded me of places that I used to be in my my uh, early, early 20s um, that I just kind of forgot about. He, is, he has a lot of internal struggles that, that I had and in some ways still do have that made it incredibly relatable to me. Uh, I just, I like it. I, ha- I like that feeling of like the whole world is, I don't know, he has that feeling the whole world's kind of falling apart at the same time. And that stuff feels like that happens to me or I have felt that way in the past. So there's a lot that's relatable. And I just like the songs. There's some songs that I don't know that I absolutely love. And, you know, I'll skip when we get to on the soundtrack. But I, I think in, in general, I like it. And the more I learn about the movie, the more I appreciate what it does. Because I learned an interesting fact about one of the numbers today, actually, uh, that I didn't know about on my first three watch throughs of the movie. So I like it. Um, I'll be critical if we need to be critical. But I'll also just talk about how much i love it for the next you know 45 minutes or whatever okay but god i'm curious about what ryan thinks yeah me too ryan what did you think of tick tick boom i understand rent better now okay okay because you've seen rent i made you watch rent yeah and i still hate you for it but but we'll definitely get there um no i understand rent a bit better um, I can see where he was pulling experiences from his life to to make rent. Like I, I, I can totally see it. It makes sense. I wasn't doubting that that's what he was doing. 
when I saw Rent. It's just I don't like the tone of that, but the um, of that one. But pushing that off to the side, um, it was better than I was expecting it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's some good music in it. Um, I, I don't really, I didn't, I watched it this morning. I didn't have the urge, and I probably won't, to like re-listen to the music. Mm-hmm. Like the music is good for the film, and it fits, mm-hmm. and it's done really well. It just, I don't see myself listening to it in the car or in my work van. Sure. So. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do have specifics, but we'll get to those when we talk about things. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So I'm curious, Devin, what was the bit of trivia you learned today on your third watch through? So when he does the the song in the diner with all of the all of the cameos in the world, Sunday, yeah, Sunday. Sunday. I, I didn't realize that was a parody of Sunday from Sunday in the Park with George. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that because I've never seen anything of Sunday in the Park with George, and I, I wasn't paying attention enough when to notice when they were watching Sunday <laughs> in the Park with George to go, oh, it's that thing. So uh, yeah, I, I should have known that earlier. I didn't. Yeah. I'm happy there, I know now. There's a long list of people who cameo in that scene. Um, well, I'm curious, Ryan, did you catch any of the cameos in that scene? Like, did you I recognize anyone? One of the actresses from Hamilton? Yeah. Yeah, two. Uh, the, two of the Angelica sisters were there. Uh, is, so you guys know more about, like, onstage actors than, like, I do it all. You should have recognized B.B. Newworth, who was on Frasier and in Jumanji and um, some Where was things. she? Uh, she was at one of the tables. Yeah, then I wouldn't have known. She's very skinny and dark hair. Um, the thing is, like, you watch Frasier a lot more than I ever yeah. have. And, like, she was I, also on Cheers. Like, so she played his I wife. I liked you. Okay. <laughs> If she's a primarily TV uh, mm-hmm. actor, TV act, TV actors and actresses, I'm there's going to be like an eighty percent chance. Okay, like eighty percent al- chance it goes over my head. She was also yeah. the aunt in Jumanji, if you remember that. Yes. Now, okay. if I ever go back and watch this film, I'll, yeah. I'll have to check because yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Fel- Felicia Richard, who played. Um, Mrs. Huxable in that show we don't talk about on the internet anymore because uh, uh, the pudding guy went to jail. Um, <laughs> Did you catch Lynn Momo Miranda in the in the thing? When was he in it? He was, he was in. He was a chef. Yeah. In the I chef wasn't looking at either. any of the cooks' faces. Gotcha. I mean, it's, yeah, he it's, was in the back. It's not a Lynn Manuel Miranda joint if Lynn Manuel Miranda does doesn't force himself into it somehow. Um, Bernadette and Peters his dad. Is in there. What's his dad in it? Yeah, his dad is uh, in the when they do the elevator song about like uh, about moving into the new apartment. His dad uh, was the the bellhop that looked like Captain Kangaroo. Okay, um, and then you had in that scene you also had some of the original cast of Rent show up: Adam yeah. Pascal, Daphne, Ruben Vega, and uh, Wilson, Jermaine, her her Dia. Uh, they all show up there as the bum bum bums bum 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 bums. <laughs> um, yeah, that that's that's a very Easter eggy scene, and Lin Manuel Miranda seemed to have called in a lot of favors for that. Um, but it works out really well. Um, I was listening to a podcast day about it. Someone called that scene the uh, the uh, 
musical theater version of Avengers Assemble. Yeah, pretty much. That's their MCU. Um, so, so uh, Ryan, I know you and I have clashed heads before on actors singing in biopics and performance-wise, because I know you're a big fan of Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes. And I did not... I, I have issues with that film with Ram, Rami Malek not doing the singing. How do you feel about Andrew Garfield doing all the singing in this? It fits for this because okay. it's a TV. Like it, it, it's it's about musical theater. It's about a guy who, like, pretty much revolutionized musical theater. I'm going mm-hmm. to assume that he's the one that did the one man show himself with the whole yeah. tick tick boom thing. Yeah. Like so I get that they would want an actor to want to actually like sing. Not too many people like as a whole when it comes to everybody who's going to see this movie, there are going to be less people who know what he actually sounded like compared mm-hmm. to the actor they got to portray him. So time and place and purpose, yes, that makes sense that they mm-hmm. would have the actor actually sing it because it's cheaper. You don't have to pay two people to play one person. Totally get it. There's a funny story about Andrew Garfield singing in this. Uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda, who directed it, wanted Andrew Garfield, and he asked a mutual friend, a, a massage therapist who knew Andrew Garfield, he asked the <laughs> massage therapist, Hey, do you think can Andrew sing in the massage therapist? Oh yeah, he's got a great voice. So like Lynn Lynn left like the the massage session and like immediately the massage therapist calls Andrew Garfield. He's like, hey, can you sing? Like, <laughs> like I just told the guy from Hamilton that you could. Um, so Andrew Garfield went out and took therapist better get a hell of a tip. I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> he, uh, Andrew Garfield couldn't sing, but he took singing lessons and prepared for this role and like gave it his all. And like, uh, there are videos of Lin-Manuel Miranda doing the stage show of this and him singing 3090 is, is, uh, is interesting because Lin-Manuel Miranda is a great writer and a great rapper, but I would not say Lin-Manuel Miranda is a great singer, (laughs) uh, especially outside of a studio. Um, and like on TikTok, a lot of people are making like dragging him for it. Oh, um, but it is what it is. Like it, it comparing a, a film stage version of a song compared to a studio produced film version of that same song is not fair at all. Um, I mean, but also video exists of Jonathan Larson doing his one man show yeah. and singing 3090. And again, you can tell it's live theater. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, yeah. It's not as clean and polished as Andrew Garfield, but I will be. Uh, but I will say, Andrew Garfield sounds really close to Jonathan Larson's version. Yeah, of it. it's weird. It like it, like how much of the Jonathan Larson version have you watched? I watched a couple of the songs. I watched that one. I watched uh, Therapy, and then I watched the uh, the um, the end one. Okay. Yeah. Have you watched more of it? I no. That's about. I I've seen thirty ninety, and I've seen Therapy, and Therapy is mm-hmm. weird. Like I, I like yeah. our I like yeah. our version of therapy a little bit more. <laughs> I think so too. Uh, if you that haven't seen it yet, that scene for me, just so you know. Our TikTok ruined the scene for you. Did you because see? I about... saw the TikTok first, and I looked oh. at it. And I'm like, what is this? And then I saw that scene. And I'm like, oh. Oh, that's what they were doing. Oh no, yeah, that's what they were doing. And to be honest, 
it really has nothing to do with you guys. It was one of those things where it's like, when it comes to musical theater, like I like theater. I'm not someone that's like a uh, musical theater. Ew. No, it's good. It's good art. If you're talented, yeah, you can really pull it off. Like there's a lot of good musicals out there. That's the kind of musical stuff where I'm like, okay, save it for the classroom. I mean, I mean, I don't, I mean, at a certain point, like it doesn't need, deserve to be in the classroom. It needs to be on stage. And I can see where it feels weird on film, but I think that's what the film does well. Like that's a part of the, the film that is like that whole song is mostly on stage. And it only cuts back to the storyline of the film when it's like between uh, verses. So like you get that whole weird performance. And I think it's meant to yeah. be weird. No, 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 no. Andrew yeah, Garfield I, I, and, and Vanessa Hudgens like doing this weird country like puppet show on yeah. stage. Um, it didn't it didn't help that it was country. That did not help it. I'm just going to put that out <laughs> right now. Um, but I could have looked past it. And to me. I would have liked it better if they weren't sitting on stools, if they were doing the the silly, weird, you know, like looking back and forth and hand motions and everything. And they were like throwing the rest of their bodies into it. Yeah. Kind of, you know, like they were having the argument, not just on a, not just on a figurative level, but on an actual real physical level at the same time, mm -hmm. because it's on stage. And they were like acting the actual like body language of it out too, and not just like with the shoulders and head and eyes. I probably would have enjoyed it more, but because to me. No, I, I mean, I understand that. It's, I, I think it's a silly choice. Um, I think that it fit the three-man show format well. I don't know that I ever want to hear the one-man show version of that song. If I'm being honest. Because yeah. uh, that might, I think that might make it considerably worse. But yeah, I, I definitely know what you mean. Um, I was thinking back again about the music for this, and I realized that I have a seat. You know how like you have those like those quick little things, where, like if someone mentions something or somebody like alludes to something, you're like, okay, okay, we can be friends now. I had that moment with this musical uh, the second they did the allusion to the Jeffersons theme song. <laughs> I went, okay, musical, well done. Because I just love the Jeffersons. Not only that, I like that too. <laughs> no, so the, the my favorite part about the Jeffersons moment is like immediately after that they start doing the Carlton. Yep. <laughs> in 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 1990, and I'm like, yeah, that that's right. Like, <laughs> I think it's a little bit before Fresh Prince, but I I don't care. It's it's still perfect. It fits perfectly. Yeah, Ryan, what, what was your moment that? Um, during the 30 for 90 song where he says, uh -huh. I feel like a cleanup hitter on a, um, uh, on a team. That's not a winner. Yeah. You know, I it's was like, okay, good. Li I li <laughs> listen I'm in, I'm in if, this. Okay. If we had to do, if we were going to do another TikTok for this movie, that was going to be your line. Like we would have you yeah. lip sync to that. Cause I was listening yeah. to, to that song today. I was like, Oh, that's going to, I hope Ryan picks up on that. Oh, oh um, yeah. No, it's, it's like. And then I was actually kind of upset because I was like, oh, that's a really that's a really good deep baseball reference yeah. to like how to, you know, like how you're not feeling right. And they never bring up sports again in the entire <laughs> thing. <laughs> like, Were you mad about it? I wasn't mad. I was just really thrown off. I was like, OK, so if he's saying that in song, 
that means that he knows enough about baseball to know that, yeah, that's a really crappy feeling. Like mm-hmm. you don't want to be the cleanup hitter that's on a team that like finishes last. Like that's not fun. Does that just mean you don't play at all? Is that no, 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 no. It means it means that you're the best hitter on the team because oh. you're because I mean because you're batting in the you know third or fourth in the lineup because mm-hmm. well yeah like third um third fourth or fifth in the lineup depending on how the manager wants to do things mm-hmm. you're there to like get whoever gets on base on the top of the lineup like you're yeah. there to like hit the home runs hit the doubles like you're there to smack the ball do the cleanup yeah and if you're doing your job but no one else is it's it's a really bad feeling or you feel like you're trying to do your best but it's not doing anything mm-hmm so that's a really deep sports pool yeah. for, you know, like an emotional lyric. And I'm like, okay, so they're going to show him wearing like a Yankees or Mets hat or something at some point. They're going to show that, you know, that like this guy's in a musical theater, but he also might have been into sports. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's just the the artist's life of of being in New York. Like you're going to have the, yeah. the art side of things. But also you're in New York, so baseball is like a way of life in New York City. Yeah. So, like, he's lived in the city for about 10 years at this point. I'm sure he's gone to a Yankee game or Mets game or oh, whatever. Oh, of course. Um, and, in, and over the course of the 80s. So, most, most, most definitely. Yeah. Uh, for me, the moment that I was like, okay. Like, the the like the, the reference that got me was, uh, I think it was right before Sunday. He answers the phone at the diner. He's like, Moondance Diner, what do you want? He's like, that's from Ghostbusters. I'm like, ah, I get that. Oh, it is. Yeah. Because he uh, says it, that that no, that was from Ghostbusters. Uh, it makes me so feel better. I totally missed him saying that. Because the person on the uh, because the person on the phone is like, "What'd you say to me?" <laughs> <laughs> um, so just like a deep pull. Did you guys recognize that diner from anything else pop culture related? It looked familiar. Like it went. It was one of those diners where I was like, "Oh yeah, that's a diner I've seen in things." No. Do you remember in the first Spider Man? Where uh, Kristen Dunst's MJ walks out of a diner and runs into Peter Parker. Is it that one? It's She works at the Moondance Diner. Oh, that's fun. Which is funny. The of the di- oh, no, they did show the outside of the diner later on in the movie. That's yeah. right. They showed yeah, the beginning. That is too, the yeah. same base. Yeah. yeah. And okay. I don't know yeah. if you guys know this. Andrew Garfield played Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> but not in that one. Not in that one. <laughs> Oh, but they're so all great. connected now because spoilers. <laughs> uh, well, okay. So I, I, I do want to like the reason I bring that up is while he was promoting this film, Andrew Garfield kept getting asked about Spider-Man no way home to the point where he was getting annoyed with like, he would just wouldn't mm-hmm. take questions on it. And I kind of feel bad for, for him because like it kind of distracted from this movie a bit, but I think, now it's to the point where he's promoting the film more because there's a lot of he's up for a lot of awards for this. He already mm-hmm. won the Golden Globe for Best Actor, I believe. I think Which he did. I think you're it. right. Did, did you think he, his performance was worth that, Ryan? Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, mm-hmm. like to be honest, like I went into this movie like not expecting to like it. To be completely honest, yeah, because sure. it's the guy that made Rent, and I mm. did not like Rent. And I'm like, I okay, so it's about his life, okay, whatever. And so then I started watching it, and it got into the first song, and I'm like, okay, 
I can relate to some of this, even though it was like seven years ago. I, <laughs> I got it. And then that line hit, and I was like, okay, I get invested in it. And it was good. He did a really good performance. Um, but then again, he was also surrounded by great people too. So he had a, a, mm -hmm. um, amazing actors to bounce off of. I, I think as far as his performance is concerned, the one thing that I keep thinking about is it's so easy to give him the same problem that I have with the, um, with the main character of Rent, or main character, but the guy that you follow, where he, like, the one when he goes, from now on, I shoot without a script. And he's like, he's just like so like pretentious and awful about it. And like Jonathan Larson, you can tell us the same kind of struggle between like corporate life versus dedicating his life to his art. But the prof I think Andrew Garfield's performance and even the writing to some degree do a better job of making you care about him and making you go, no, but you're good at your thing. You should do your thing. And not like, yeah, just stop being gross and pay your freaking rent. Yeah. I And I think Jonathan Larson isn't always the most likable character. Like he does do some things that are kind of shitty. Um, yeah. But I think the film doesn't shy away from that. And I don't, and like the film at the beginning says all of this is true, except for the parts Jonathan Larson made up. Yeah. Um, but I think there might be some liberties there taken by the film crew of making him a little less sympathetic than he might've been in the stage show because you're expanding yeah. the story at least a bit. Um, so he um, like, I'm curious to see where the, the, the differences between the stage version and the, the film version, because it kind of like you can kind of understand where the, the issues with rent come up that people have with it. Like with the Roger character, like was it Roger with uh, Mimi, um, not Mimi, but um, with, with the main characters of rent, like the, oh, some of the, yeah. like the, the, the filmmaker in rent, like so, some of their ads, yeah. you can kind of see where some of that comes from, but I also think some of that's exaggerated uh, as, like an exaggerated version of, of Jonathan Larson. Yeah. And, it definitely and, seems like it. And that's, and that's why I said before, like I get rent more, like mm -hmm. I get the two main characters. And to me, they're the two main characters. That that, that 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 you focus on first in in, in that play with like rent and their apartment struggles mm -hmm. like i understand that more i get where i guess the restaurant diner musical number in rent comes from the fact that he was working at a diner mm -hmm. and dealing with like the public and he was probably just thinking of like okay so What's something that would never happen that, that I would actually really enjoy happening if I was working one day and having a bunch of like thespians come in and just break out and, you know, a song or whatever. And so like there are moments in this that correlate to Rent that I enjoyed and that make me get it more. Um, I don't mm -hmm. think I'll ever watch it again, but I understand it better now. <laughs> just, yeah. Well, I mean, look, I'm going to have to be critical because I'm Devin, so I have to be. There was the one thing about this movie that that genuinely did bug me, and it echoes a little bit of the same problem that I had with Rent, and I feel like they did this because structurally Rent did it this way too, so it would almost be weird and look like a retcon if they didn't. But there's the point in it, I guess spoilers, where um, uh, his friend, uh, played by Jesus, I forget his last name, uh, but when his friend admits to him that he has AIDS, and that like with luck he has like a year left to live or something like that um he should have had a song the friend 
the friend's a phenomenal singer. The friend is one of the three like cast people in the three act play or in the three person play. Like he should have had a song. We should have focused on him. He was enough of a character that he deserved it. I wanted to know what was going on. Instead, we got how Jonathan Larson dealt with that news, which I feel like it cheapened it or made that plot point about how it affected Jonathan Larson and how it affected the friend who it was actually happening to. And, okay, I get that. Yeah. I feel like Jonathan Larson's reaction of, like, you've been trying to tell me. Yeah. To me, emotionally, I think that was enough of a hit. I mean, that was a hard part to watch. Yeah. Yeah. And he does have a song about it. He has the whole real life thing. Doesn't he just have a part in real life, though? Or is that whole that, thing? His? That's his song. Like, on the soundtrack, it's just him. I mean, the, the film does focus a lot on Jonathan, like, re, like dealing with the news. And I think part of it is, like, part of the reason it focuses so much on their... It, I, think, I don't think it focuses as much on them. If you listen to the words of why that song where he's talking about him and Michael growing up, like mm-hmm. it's not focusing on him. It's focusing on like how he, like their connection and their relationship and how he doesn't want to lose that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, I, I look at that song as not like a, Oh, woe is me. My friend has AIDS song. It's like my friend, my friend is, is sick and I can't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like just reflecting on all of those memories that he had, with with michael before that um so that's how i look at it does that change your perspective I, at all it does a little bit and i think what it might be is the incongruity between like the lyrics of the song what the one man show might have been going for and then i think the choice to focus i mean you're right i mean i i just went back and clicked through it quick i mean you're right the one the real life song isn't jonathan larson's song but jonathan larson's on screen for like a good 70% of that yeah. song. So I thought it was his song. Mm-hmm. And then I, I think that you're right. The lyrics of, of Jonathan Larson's song then is more about the relationship. They focus on him and it's him alone, angsty in a park. And I, I, I think, yeah, I think that might be one of my, my failures of the only like thing I don't love about what the movie does with the source material as far okay. as translation is concerned. Uh, so I have a quick story that I saw in interviews about this movie. Um, they filmed that scene in the park with him at the piano, like first or second week of production. And Andrew Garfield went to Lin-Manuel Miranda. He's like, I, I don't think we should be doing this so early. It's like, it's like the emotional like climax of the film. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be there like that early in production. And Lynn's like, no, no, you got it. You'll be fine. And like, they kept arguing about it. And then, like, eventually Andrew Garfield's like, we don't have the location any other day, do we? He's like, no, we, they changed it on us. We have to do it then. <laughs> so, like, a whole, it was like a production thing. Like, he, he completely understood where he was coming from, but he wanted to, like, they couldn't change it. Um, yeah. Real quick side note, according to IMDb, the uh, inspiration for m- the character Michael in this, uh, Matthew O'Grady, is still alive and well as of 2021. Oh, so good. Yeah, that's good. Um, so Devin, I, I'm going to ask you a loaded question, and I, oh, I, I don't know if okay. you're going to have an answer for this or not. 
What's okay. your favorite? Ryan, I'm going to ask you the same question. So if you have an answer, you can tell tell us first. What is your favorite song of this of this film? That's a really hard question. I, I know it is. Ryan, what's yours? Shush, I'm thinking. <laughs> for, for, I, it, yeah, it's a toss. It's a toss up for me between like I can I always jam out to louder than words and thirty ninety in my car, but I think my favorite is Johnny Can't Decide. Yeah, I really like that one. I think I think as far as is what I like to listen to is thirty ninety. I think as far as what I like seeing more is no more. I think that one I, I love that song. I love everything about it. I love the choreography to it. I love the harsh cuts between like the different versions. I, I love it's no more. No more is my favorite. I think my, my favorite moment of that song is when they're talking about the space heaters or we'll blow up while you are sleeping. <laughs> like just right. the way he, he delivers that line. <laughs> Ryan, how about so you? Good. I guess 3090. Okay. I, yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I'm distracted by your cat, Devin. She's walking. She's adorable. You. Um, I really like the one where he broke into the uh, uh, amphitheater to play the piano. Okay. Oh, yeah. That was Why? a good one. I, yeah. That song, like, you asked, and 3090, and then those, and then that image of him breaking in and playing the piano, and that song were the first two that flash in my head. Because was, I know there's yeah. a lot of other stuff in there, but it's not, like... They all kind of blend into each other, like because 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 I just saw it this morning, mm-hmm. and the, 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 the only two numbers that stand out is the first one and then that one, and then everything else. I'm trying to think of okay, so was is what I'm thinking part of this song, that song, or this one, and they all just kind of blend together. So those two stand out the most after one viewing. Okay, what was your guys' least favorite song then? The ones I don't remember. <laughs> you know what that's fair though because you didn't watch it three times like i did yeah so i mean the stuff that blended together at the moment that's my answer <laughs> mine is gonna be because this is a really specific one i like the joke that's made at the end of it i don't like it i don't like the play game the one that was essentially like an 80s hip-hop like ballad with uh um, with Tariq from the from the roots yeah, I mean, I like that. I like him, and I like that he was in line to play, what was it, Skibbleshanks or whatever, or somebody from Cats, yeah. and, like, that's where he, like, that part was hilarious. They ended it well. I just, I, I just didn't love, yeah, it was my least favorite one. I, I had to so, pick one. So I like the, the stage version where it's just Jonathan Larson doing that whole rap. Yeah. Like, I, like say what you say what you will about the, the, the content of Jonathan Larson stuff. He did jump genres in this a lot. Like you have a rap yeah. number, you have a country song with therapy. Um, God, I don't know if there's one that I don't like. Um, <laughs> I don't. Okay, I don't like the film version of Green Green Dress. I don't like that they did a whole choreographed number with the two actors doing mm-hmm. the number and then just made it like a a joke and playing on the radio while they're while they're doing their foreplay. I think <laughs> the soundtrack version of green, green dress with the, with Andrew Garfield and Alexandra ship singing is phenomenal. And I wish that whole number was in the film. I don't know if I've heard that version of it. I'll have to listen to it. 
I think it's probably one of my favorites on the soundtrack. That's not, it's my favorite in the, on the soundtrack. That's not in the film. Okay. Okay. I'll have to, I'll have to give that one a listen then. Yeah. I'm kind of upset that the whole like space opera thing he was working on never happened. Well, if TikTok, if Gen Z and TikTok have their way, uh, if Ratatouille the musical, if Ratatouille the musical can happen, I don't see, like there. There's been a big push to get at least the song that they made for this movie. The uh, um, my dad's calling me in the middle of the show. Uh, <laughs> Should I take it? Yeah. No, yeah, I, I want to hear. You never know what that call might be. Yeah. I wouldn't do that. Well, my sister's also like making dinner plans for tomorrow on the show. Oh, like, so like, it's got to be that. But um, uh, would you guys, so would you guys like watch if TikTok made a musical of, I can't remember what the musical is called. Would you watch it? Superbia. Superbia, that's it. Yeah, I would. Based? If they yeah, put it on I stage, mean, I'd go see it. Based on the songs that they have, or the song that they mm-hmm. made for it, or the two or three songs that you hear parts of, mm-hmm. yeah, based on that, I definitely, like, I find it funny. I'm like, is this a real thing, or is this some type of social <laughs> commentary about today with the whole, like, cell phone thing? That's the weird thing, though. Like, from the bits that you hear about it, it sounds like a social commentary on today. Like, yeah, it's yeah. so bizarre that... In 1990, he had this thing that was going to be the future. And now you have a generation of kids who have latched onto this movie and want to make that musical a thing that's pretty much making fun of the way of life they've known for the last 20 years. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it baffles me that that's a thing. And I, I want to see it happen. I also want to see a stage <laughs> version of, of this with Andrew Garfield playing Jonathan Larson again. Because uh, shut up and take my money. Like, I would see that <laughs> in a heartbeat. Oh, I think that would be really cool. Um, so, one of the reasons this film really sticks out to me and, like, really hit a nerve is... And I think I think the podcast is a great example of this. Like... I consider myself an artist. Like I, I really, like I really identify with some of the struggles that uh, Jonathan Larson goes through in this with, whether it be like wanting to focus on your art, but being stuck in like a corporate job. Cause I, like there, there've been times in the last uh, 10 years or so where I've not been able to focus on what I want to do and been stuck in a job that I don't like, uh, like, like retail where, when I met Ryan, um, so I really identified with, with a lot of that story and like being stuck between like not knowing which way you want to, like where you want to focus your energy in life. Uh, was there anything in here that made, that stood out to you guys uh, theme wise or lyric wise, but beyond the uh, cleanup batter line? <laughs> I like the brainstorming, like the, the ad thing that he did. Where he came up with what was it, um, chunk substitute or whatever he said. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I like that because I mean, prior to getting into college, when I was in high school, I went to the Votech, um, and normally people that go to Votechs or think of Votechs, you think of like you know welding or woodworking mm-hmm. or like working on cars. But the Votech I went to had a graphic design program and a commercial art program. That's what I was in. 
my original idea was I was going to be in advertising. I was going to actually make the ads on Photoshop that people come up with and like put it together and design billboards and magazine ads and stuff like that. So when they were going through and doing the advertising thing, I just thought it was funny because it reminded me of me and my friends who were in that class like trying to think up of like you know like our own ad campaigns for like projects we had to do and like Mm -hmm. goofy stuff and like when he started going off the rails because he just thought it was ridiculous and trying to be funny it reminded me of that because that's what we did like we made fun of advertising to try to come up um is with our own stuff like i think my version of what he did was i drew a card and i had to create a magazine ad for like a like a uh for, 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 for like a travel company or like mm-hmm. a travel planner like company and my idea was to uh i pulled a picture that someone took out of a window of a plane where you could see the engine yeah and i photoshopped a goose and i made it blurry to make it look like it was getting sucked into the engine huh. and the tagline was you know why risk planning with anyone else why risk good (laughs) so like that's specifically the kind of stuff you did in that oh yeah yeah all the time and i got a's on everything too oh good i don't know i think for me i think it's a bit of what alan said where i'm not entirely sure what i want to do and then and for some reason i figured by the time i was 32 which i guess i still have some time uh i i thought i'd know uh i don't i mean especially I'm an interesting place in my job where I've been actually asked, like, what do you want to do? Like, we can help your growth in this company wherever you want to go. And my only answer is I want to do all of it, which isn't an answer. So, like, I have, you know, a finite amount of energy to give in any given work day. And I don't know where I want any of that energy to go. So in some ways, I'm incredibly jealous of, of Jonathan Larson in this where he knows, like, you know, he has the whole song about how he learned to love musical theater and this is what he wants to do. And I'm very jealous of, of knowing that. But in some ways, I, I definitely relate to where he's like, I could do this all the time, but is this really what I want to do? I don't know either. So yeah. I, I don't know. I really like that. Well, I mean, it, and you go through phases too. I mean, because yeah. I thought for the longest time, that was like, I have this retail thing down. I can do it. Mm-hmm. Not a problem. Then I went management. Then I saw the other side of things. I was like, no, I don't want to do this. It's burning me out. And, but but here's the thing. I didn't know it was burning me out until yeah, it actually right. did. Um, and I, I, the job I'm doing now, I didn't even know was a thing. And I <laughs> love it. And it's one of those things where it's like, is, is it a management position? No. Mm-hmm. Is it something that I could possibly move into having one? Probably. But mm-hmm. you know what? I don't want it. I don't yeah. care. My life expectancy living in this country anyway, nowadays is probably eighties <laughs> at this point. And I'm, and I'm 36. I'll be 37 in a few months. <laughs> like I have time. <laughs> <laughs> I think the other thing that really struck me about this is it came out the year that I was 30. Uh, and I didn't really get mm. to celebrate my 30th birthday as much as you probably should because of the pandemic. Uh, yeah. so like I, I went into it this year, like, yeah, th- this is, uh, 31, 22, but, uh, <laughs> but it still felt like my 30th birthday. Um, I mean, the thing that got me is he was like January 26th, 1990. I'm like oh, my exact birthday. Yeah. No, it, Which it, I it thought was fun. it's also weird that it's like this week 
as yeah. well. Like that's when this film starts. So it, I don't know. It's a, I, I'm, I'm struggling this week because it is my birthday, and I, I, I struggle to do the things that he had done in the beginning of it, where he was like, by thirty, Paul McCartney had released his last Beatles album. By thirty, oh my gosh, was it Sondheim had his first show on Broadway, and yeah. I'm like, shit. You know what, though? And this is something that I kind of came to terms with a few years ago. So I was in my mm. early 30s because I used to do that same thing Yeah. where it's like, you know, you kind of base yourself off of like where your parents were at your mm. age or, you know, like. And the thing is, you're thinking that way in a vacuum. And in a vacuum, you're taking out of account how much the economy has changed, mm-hmm. how work has changed. And you're also looking at other people that are the exception to the rule. And I see people do this all the time. When mm-hmm. you look at people who are the exception to the rule, you're either going to make yourself look really good and feel really good when you shouldn't or make yourself feel really bad again when you shouldn't. Mm-hmm. So like... And they do this a lot with um, like genius characters in movies, like in Sphere. Yeah. You have like that one character that's like all on like, oh, you know, this guy got his PhD when he was 13 and I did it when I was 16 and, you know, whatever. It's like, yeah, th- these people are the exception to the rule. Like, right. if you look at people who are, you know, like the majority of people who are, let's say musicians who are in like Mm -hmm. rock bands and stuff, they're playing in rock bands and making money. They're not a lot of money and they have a normal job and they have, you know, they do the, the the band thing on the side, but -hmm. they play into their fifties or sixties because that's what they want to do for fun. That's the majority. That's 90% of people. Like you can't be looking at, you know, like the Beatles and being like, Oh, look at all they did before 30. Like, yeah, but that's four guys out of a population on a planet of like six billion. Like, at that point, yeah, yeah. I mean, you get the sense that Jonathan Larson in this movie does picture himself as the outlier. I mean, yeah. at one point, someone asks, "What do you do?" and he goes, "I'm the future of musical theater." Like, and Andrew Garfield delivers it in a way that doesn't make me immediately hate the character, but like, I hated me, and I heard me say that. Like, it was nice. You know, you can tell he definitely thinks it either is or should be that outlier, I think. See, I took that as a sarcastic response because the guy was talking about artists and artist parties in like a party way and not, you know, like a real respectful way. And he was like trying to like tone him down a bit. Like I took that as more of like a mean, sarcastic response, not as anything that he I mean, he probably believes it, but not like a cocky believes it. Yeah. No, I I mean I, I I didn't have that read on it, but I like that read a lot more. Yeah, and uh just for the record, uh by thirty Jonathan Larson did not have two hundred and forty five episodes of a podcast under his belt. So uh Take that Jonathan Larson. Yeah. Talk um, about talk to talking about making statements in a vacuum. Holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> um no, like, like honestly, like if I could just do this and get paid for it, like that, yeah. that, that is the life, Bohemian. Uh, <laughs> um, no, like, if this is the one creative outlet that I get to have complete control over and just make my own for the next few years, I'm fine with that. Like, I want to do more. I've tried to do more. Devin knows this. Mm-hmm. We spent a whole yeah. night filming a thing and then nothing came <laughs> of it because because of 
life got life got in the way, but yeah, I'm going, I, I like my goal for this year is to finish that thing because you gave a phenomenal performance in that and something will <laughs> oh, happen. Thank with you. It. There's nothing else. Like I, I feel bad that you gave it your all. And then I, I've, I've dropped the ball on it, but I'm like, not, 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 not of my own will. Like I, I want to do it, but things have gotten in my way and you know about this. So I don't want to get into No, detail. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But like, if I could just do stuff like that and right. Like podcasts and talk about stuff, whether it's here or on victims, and like I, I'm happy with this. Like this is like no one can. Like I don't need to throw together a workshop for people to to look at this and be like, okay, that was good. Move on to the next thing. Like it's no. Like this is my own thing. Whether anyone watches or listens or not, this is our thing. Mm-hmm. It's there. Uh, we have exciting news coming the next few weeks about we this. We really do, though. Oh, man. Uh, so, yeah, actually. <laughs> so stay tuned for that. But I, I, I just want to say, like, th- this is like just being able to do this and celebrate our birthdays, talking about this film that we both love is phenomenal. Yeah. I'm glad Ryan liked it. Um, is there any other final thoughts on Tick, Tick, Boom before we wrap this up? I have one. Okay. I there is a low key my favorite performance in this whole movie, and oh my gosh, I thought I knew this person's name and I don't, and I've been furiously looking looking it up and I can't find him, but it's Stephen Sondheim's assistant or whoever was like, is it Ed Kind? Is that who that is? Richard Kind. Richard Kind. That's it. Richard Kind absolutely kills it in this, and I just love his like. We're saying the same thing, yeah, but yeah, we... different. And like, oh, what a what a that performance! Was, yeah, no, the, 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 that was great. And I loved how, like, at the very end, they kept it going. Yeah, I know. Too, yeah. like, it was just like, it was like, it was like, did they really need to pan the camera over and have him agree one more time? No, they no. didn't because the joke was already done. But you know what? I'm happy that they did that. You know. Mm-hmm. So one thing I, I, I love the Stephen Sondheim mm-hmm. bits in this um, because you see him twice and then you hear him call for a voicemail. That voicemail is actually Stephen Sondheim. I was just going to say that. I love that detail. Like it so wasn't it's the real recording. Yeah. No, I don't think it's the real recording. I think they had oh. Stephen Sondheim actually record it. Oh, okay. uh, I don't think they had the actual recording because it was like the nineties. And I don't know if they had, <laughs> like they might've held onto it, but Stephen Sondheim was still around before the film came out. He just recently uh, passed away. So yeah. Yeah. NPR did like a two day thing with him. Like they were playing interviews he gave and Aww. they were talking to people who work with him. But yeah, no, that, that was, that, 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 that was good that they did that. Um, but I mean, to be honest, like if I got a call, like, let's say I was some, like, college athlete or whatever, mm-hmm. and, like, the person that you looked up to for that sport, like, wasn't a coach, wasn't a GM, just was just there at, like, a tryout, and you went over to talk to them, and then they called you back a few weeks later and left a message like that. If my if my answering machine had a, like, was on one of those little, like, mini tapes, yeah. the mini tape is coming out and getting sealed. <laughs> <laughs> and in a fireproof box and going <laughs> and listen to on bad days. Yes. So, so one last thing I want to say that that goes off of a criticism I gave of the film earlier. Uh, as much as I would have loved to have Green Green Dress be a musical number in the film with mm-hmm. uh, Andrew Garfield and Alexandra Ship, 
I kind of like the emotional impact of not seeing Susan sing directly until yeah. come to your senses. So that's like the only like because she sings in like the background of 3090 for a bit, but you don't really get to see her sing at all until that moment. Like and it, it's so it's much more impactful when he's like Carissa was singing it in the workshop, but all I could see was Susan. And then you cut to them on the rooftop mm-hmm. and it, it's so much more impactful hearing her sing for the first time. And I think having that musical number in the earlier earlier in the film would have taken away from the impact of that. And I absolutely love that number. Yeah. So the, um, and I have to say one thing I, I, I completely forgot until now because of all the stuff that's happened today between watching this and the, my favorite part of this movie, mm-hmm. favorite part is when he's swimming and he sees the flash of the note in the 30. Yeah. And then he goes down and like sweeps it across and then he gets the song as he's swimming I thought visually that was probably the best part of this film for me. Okay. No, that is, it is a stunning sequence. When I even like what it stood for, when like, it's, it's like, I've been like, I've had situations where like I had to come up with something like clever and I had to come up with it soon. And it honestly helps to just like step away. Like goes, you know, obviously I wouldn't go swimming like Andrew Garfield was. I don't have a pool like that, but like, I'm so jealous of the fact he has a pool like that. Right. It's not that busy. It's a YMCA, like. But it's not busy. Is the it's thing not like you just go? And it's close. Well, I think it's yeah. the uh, middle of the night because it doesn't have any power. Oh, fair. Well, I mean, there's that too. But I mean, <laughs> they, 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 they showed him swimming before. It's something my dad always did for exercise because he always at some at multiple points in his life he lived close to enough to a Y that that's what he did. And to be honest. If there was like a really thin, like four lane Olympic size pool here at the complex that I live in, I'd be down there almost every day because I mean, I like swimming and honestly, it's the best exercise you can get. You work every part of your body. (laughs) Do do you not use your pool at all to swim in the summer for exercise? Um, It's mostly, it's mostly filled with uh, toddlers. So no. Even early in the morning, like you can't get in there and swim a few laps. I mean, I could probably go there early in the morning, but it's not that big. Like it's more of like a family floaty pool, mm-hmm. not an actual like swim back and forth pool. You ever toss in a greased watermelon? Huh? Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> or, or a butterfinger for that much. What? Uh, what is that from? Something. It's from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Danny uh, DeVito shows up to the public pool with a greased watermelon. He's like, oh, the kids try to catch it. They love it. <laughs> so good. And on that note. <laughs> I think we're done. I think we're done. Uh, I think that does it for this week's You Have to Watch This podcast. Uh, if you're watching here on Twitch, uh, go ahead and hit that follow button. We're really close to making affiliate status. So please help us get to 50 followers. Uh, if you're watching on Facebook, hit that like button. You can also follow us over on Instagram where you can see the reel of Devin and I making fools of ourselves, performing therapy from Tick, Tick, Boom. Uh, it's also on a Facebook page, but it looks like Facebook muted it because Facebook's going to Facebook. Um, yeah. You can listen to You Have to Watch This podcast on all major podcasting platforms, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and a bunch of other places that I can't think of off the top of my head. Uh, make sure to tune in next week when it is Devin's pick. 
Devin, what are you going to have us watch next week? I won't be here next week. Oh, you won't be here next week. I won't be. So I can give you guys something to watch and give you homework. And then we have a... It, no, you can, you can I completely forgot. I completely forgot I was supposed to find a guest for next week. Tune in <laughs> next week when we're going to have a special guest on the show. Who? I don't know. But stay tuned. and uh, It'll be a very special episode of You Have to Watch This Podcast. Um, yeah. I completely forgot about that until just now. Uh, <laughs> the the, the, the oh, other good. thing that we're working on for the podcast is uh, taking up a lot of my attention. So I completely... Yeah. Boom. But uh, I'm, I'm sure I can find somebody. Um, but until next time for You Have to Watch This Podcast, I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. The ship is sort of sinking, so let's start drinking. Before we start thinking, is this the life? We'll see you next oh. week.